Welcome to the OKC First podcast. Together, we're learning to do three things. Friendship with God. Friendship with one another. And open friendship for the sake of the world. For more information about OKC First, please visit OKCFirst.com. I enjoyed worship so much, I forgot that this was my responsibility and role to read our scripture this morning. Looking forward to reading from you. The book of Isaiah, chapter 40, verses 21 through 25. Have you not known? Have you not heard? Has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is he who sits above the circle of the earth and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers. Who stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them like a tent to live in? Who brings princes to naught and makes the rulers of the earth as nothing? Scarcely are they planted, scarcely sown. Scarcely has their stem taken root in the earth. When he blows upon them and they wither and the tempest carries them off like stubble. To whom then will you compare me? Or who is my equal, says the Holy One? Lift up your eyes on high and see. Who created these? He who brings out their host and numbers them, calling them all by name, because he is great in strength, mighty in power. Not one is missing. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel? My way is hidden from the Lord, and my right is disregarded by my God. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint and strengthens the powerless. Even youths will be faint and will faint and be weary, and the young will fall exhausted. But those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Thank you, Jason. Thank you, worship folks. As you can tell, this is the passage of Scripture that was the inspiration behind the entire sermon series title, Haven't You Heard? And I've been looking forward to preaching this sermon because, as you know, uh, we preachers are nearly always doing our own therapy up here. Uh, This sermon is for those of us who are tired. Now, Not tired because you were up too late playing Call of Duty. God bless you. (laughs) One or two believers in the room, right? And not tired because you got up way too early to run your half marathon because you're in training. Like, that's tired, but that's not the tired I'm talking about, and God bless you too, right? This is the kind of tired I'm talking about. You feel like you're always pushing that boulder up the hill. And sometimes the boulder wins. Sometimes you you feel like you're trapped at the bottom of the hill underneath the boulder. (laughs) 
I mean, we might be talking about a family issue. We may be talking about your sense of anxiety. It could be depression. It could be a disease of another kind. Perhaps we're talking about a work issue. I'm not sure what the issue is for you. I have some ideas what it is for some of you, what it is for me. But people who are tired like this are tired and they feel stuck. There is a hopelessness to it. There is a despair to it. And you feel at some level like a hostage to your situation, to to the circumstances. And it can be that it's something that happened a decade ago that still has you by the throat. This sermon is for folks who are tired like that. Would you pray for me before I step into this passage of Scripture? And now, God, just help me as I step into these words and these verses, may I speak only what you would have me speak, and may what is spoken be of some help to the people here today. In your son's name we pray, amen. Spotted this on the news, perhaps you did too. There is this uh, serious rumor of a tower coming to our fair city. I don't know if you saw this, but this is out there. Now, I've, I've, done, I've done just a little bit of research, enough to be dangerous, enough research to be dangerous. Here is what I can tell you. It would be called Legends Tower, and it would be located at the boardwalk at Bricktown. <clears throat> uh, it would be 1,907 feet in its height. And it would be the tallest building in North America, 1,907 feet. Well, why 1,907 feet? Well, because uh, the developer would like to have um, not only the tallest building, but 1,907 feet, 1907 is when we, were, we became a state, right? The second highest uh, building at that point would be World Trade Center 1 in New York City, which is 1,776 feet tall. And just to troll them a little bit, this uh, particular facility would have 1,776 living units in it. Wow. Now, I, I have a dear friend who works for the Chamber of Commerce, and this is still very much in question. The article I read said, tallest building in the United States, why Oklahoma City? (laughs) It's a great question. Why Oklahoma City? I don't know if you've ever read Sam Anderson's book, Boomtown, about our city. It's such a good, do I have some believers out there who have read such a book? Listen, if you haven't read it, then I would encourage you to to read it or listen to it. It's really cool to listen to. And it narrates uh, the gods of our city, small g. And it narrates how we have at different seasons of our, our life as a gathered up city, how we have been held hostage to these different gods. Very interesting. I mean, it'll take you uh, from the land rush and everything that happened, and it was, it was a difficult day. I mean, I didn't realize all that had gone, on to it, gone into it to make it such a difficult day, but it was a difficult day. And then it gets you into truly difficult days, like when Russell Westbrook got hurt in the playoffs uh, not too long ago. 
And it weaves it all together in such a, a, a wonderful way that you get the impression, not that you have read several different stories, but that you have read one story with many different chapters. And it feels like one of the sub-themes would be this. This is a city always not quite where it wants to be. Not quite where we want to be. This may be more evidence of that. <laughs> what, what are the gods at work when it becomes really important to us to have the tallest building in a land famous for tornadoes and earthquakes, amen? <laughs> what, what are we doing there? Does it feel to any, anyone else? No, it might be a great thing. And are you saying, John, that you would never go see it? No, I think I would go. I think I would go try to check it out. I'm not saying it is a bad or an evil thing. I do think that there is a whiff of the Tower of Babel in it. A whiff, at least. You remember that story, right? We're talking about all the way back in Genesis chapter 11. That story about a very tall tower, tower was narrated as the breathless pursuit of God status. God's status. If we can build a building just yay high, then maybe we're God. To the heavens, you know, where, where God lives. Genesis 11 is a full-out acknowledgement that there are competitors to God's thrones, God's throne, and sometimes that's, that's us. Sometimes we feel like we're competitors to God's throne. Rivals where power and ingenuity are concerned. I mean, the God of the lust for power, right? That, that God still lurks out there. The, the God of the lust for stuff, I mean, historically we have called that God mammon, and there's some pretty ugly pictures of mammon if you want to Google search them. I didn't think it was worth putting it up there today. But that God, mammon, still exists with lots of other names today. The lust to accumulate the lust that you hear about today for winning, winning at all costs. I mean, those are competitor gods and ideologies and theologies. That's a great place for an amen. Ooh, wow, didn't like that at all. If you're, if you're new here today, they typically do better than that. The lust to have power over others. The lust to be relevant. Man, and sometimes it seems like all of these other gods are somehow working together, <laughs> working together to confront us. And on some days, it seems like they're winning. I wrote here, we don't need Babylonians or any other invading army to feel like we are hostage at times, hostages to forces beyond our control. And now here's my question to us, are we? Are, are we hostages to forces beyond our control? By the way, great time during the season of Epiphany to ask this question. Where is God? During Epiphany, God seems to show up different places. So today, we are all permission to ask the question, okay, where? Where, where is God? And when does God do that thing? We've seen it before. We've seen it in Scripture. We, we, we feel like we've heard it before. When is God going to do that thing where God rescues God's people from captivity, sometimes captivity of their own making. Because that's what we have here, right? I mean, 
Does everybody remember Isaiah chapter 40? Isaiah chapter 40, we, we talked about this as recently as Advent. Isaiah chapter 40 starts like this. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem. Before I read the rest of it, let me tell you what's happening here. The people are in exile. Babylonian captivity, they are in exile. And they wandered there. They, they wandered there by following the God, small g, rather than always submitting those gods, small g, to God, big g. <laughs> and whenever the people of God, including Oklahoma in 2024, still getting used to saying that, it still happens. Let me say this. Yes, obedience is possible. So is exile and captivity for the people of God. In fact, let me say this. When we, for whatever reason, lose track of the singular voice and the calling of God, then we too will wander away as we follow those voice, voices of the lesser gods, we will always wander away into oncoming traffic, despair, destruction. And I would submit to you that perhaps the church is in the process of doing that again. Being co-opted by the gods and the ideologies and the theologies of the day, the small g's. I would submit that somehow, rather than resisting the lust for power and control, we're kind of Christianizing it. Saying that our side is the right side, and the other side can't even be Christian. We talked about that last week. That is a great way to take the Lord's name in vain if that's what you want to do today. So demonize your others, or, or the people on the other side of the aisle, let's say, that you would say something along the lines of, you can't be Christian if you don't think or vote or believe like I do about all of these things. Well, that's a lot of things. That is taking the Lord's name in vain. But it is also the lust for power, the breathless pursuit of a God with a small g. And soon there will be exile because of it. Soon there will be despair and destruction because of it. And maybe as soon as yesterday. Maybe as soon as right now. But to a people in exile, God said, enough. I am coming for you again. Yes, you have earned this exile. But according to this, comfort my people. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and say to her that, her, that she has served her term, that her penalty is paid, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. It's over. The announcement came to the people in exile, all the way over there. The announcement came, it's all over. Let's get up, let's go. And the people of God seem to have said, I don't know. Pretty tired. Such good news. <laughs> Such good news. Here's more of it. Get you up on a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good tidings. Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem, herald of good tidings. Lift it up. Do not fear. Say to the cities of Judah where all the believing people are, here is your God. Verse 10, see the Lord comes with might 
and his arm rules for him. His reward is with him and his recompense before him. This God will feed his flock like a shepherd and he will gather the lambs in his arms and carry them in his bosom and gently lead the mother sheep. Like that is a beautiful speech. And to that speech, the people of God responded, still pretty tired. I mean, captivity is hard. That say something along the lines of, I, I don't know if I can actually even summon the energy to believe. God, have you seen these big, burly Babylonians? Have you seen these Babylonian gods? It's as if, God, resistance is futile. It's a gift to all you Star Trek friends out there. It seems they have the announcement in hand, and still they seem to be saying, I don't know. Because, God, I am that kind of tired. That kind of tired. And so the narrator, I'm going to read a little bit more to you from this same chapter before we get to our verses. The narrator has a response to the, to the people of God so tired that they can't seem to summon the energy to believe. And if that's you today, it's okay. All of this is for you, for us today, too. Verse 17. Verse 12, I'm sorry. Verse 12. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand and marked off the heavens with a span, enclosed the dust of the earth in a measure, and weighed the mountains in scales and hills in a balance? Who has directed the Spirit of the Lord, or as his counselor has instructed him? Whom did God consult for his enlightenment, and who taught him the path of justice? Who taught him knowledge and showed him the way of understanding? Even the nations are like a drop from a bucket and are accounted as dust on the scales. See, he takes up the isles like fine dust. Lebanon would not provide enough fuel, nor are its animals enough for a burnt offering. All the nations are as nothing before him. They are accounted by him as less than nothing in emptiness. To whom then will you liken God, tired people? And I know this may not be super helpful to you yet, but stick with me. Or what likeness compare with him? An idol? An idol? A tower? A workman casts it, and a goldsmith overlays it with gold and casts it for silver chains. As a gift, one chooses mulberry wood, wood that will not rot, then seeks out a skilled artisan to set up an image that will not topple. But the point is well made. Yeah, but those are still just Sticks and stones. Idols, at the end of the day, even towers, are man-made fakers for the throne. Have you not known? Have you not heard? Has it not been told you from the beginning? I love this verse. Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? It could have been translated like this. Have you not understood the foundations of the earth? Oh, I like that. That's, that's a little bit different. This is the prophet saying on behalf of God, have you forgotten how the earth was organized? The, the earth was not organized and created for those other powers to stay in power. The earth was organized to demonstrate that this God is the power. These others are all, and I know that you're worn out by them. <laughs> I know that these other gods, small g, have worn you out. 
have caused this captivity, all of this pain. But they aren't God big G. It seems that we have the capacity, even as the people of God, even as the good people of God, it seems that we still have this human capacity to forget who is God and who isn't God. I especially have that capacity if I'm the one in that pit, if I feel like that boulder is rolled down on top of me, right? Verse 22, it is he who sits above the circle of the earth. This is how big this God is. And its inhabitants are like grasshoppers, so big this God. My God is so big, so strong, so mighty. (laughs) I'm not going to do it. Who stretches out the heavens. (laughs) Somebody's going to do it. Who stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them like a tent to live in. Who brings princes to naught. This is important, y'all. Who brings princes, probably princesses, rulers, prime ministers, presidents, candidates. What's being said here is significant. What's being said here to the people of God is, man, be careful when it's time to hit your wagon of allegiance. This God is not impressed by those gods, small g, who brings princes to naught and makes them, makes the rulers of the earth as nothing. Scarcely are they planted, scarcely sown. Scarcely has their stem taken root on the earth when God blows upon them and they wither and the tempest carries them off like stubble. Have you forgotten who God is? And, and I will make this as personal as I can. John, do you forget who God is? And the answer is some days, yes. Wait a minute, you're the pastor. Correct chronically normal pastor who some days forgets. To whom then will you compare me or who is my equal, says the Holy One? Lift up your eyes and see. Look up. Actually telling them to look at the stars now. And here's why. Because stars way back when and sometimes now are believed to be determinative. There are, there are some people who still believe that your future is mapped out in the stars. That's kind of why people look at those zodiac things. And if you do that, that's great. It's dumb, but it's great. It's fine. <laughs> I hope I didn't offend anybody. I'll get, a, I'll get an email. Lift up your eyes on high and see who created these. These stars that all of you and your different ideologies and theologies that you trust for your future. You know somebody made those, right? Should you not trust the one who made the stars? He who brings out their host and numbers them, calling them all by name because he is great and strength, mighty in power, not one is missing. And so now the prophet having tried as best the prophet could to paint the picture of the vastness of God, the superiority of God, the giant God that we serve also is not just giant, this God is also near. Why do you say, Jacob, and speak, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord? Have you ever thought that? Maybe you've prayed a prayer 
that I have in my book that goes something like this, God, are you paying attention? Why do you say, God, are you paying attention? Why is my right or my rights disregarded by my God? Verse 28, have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. I know that you're tired, but that, that God does not get tired. He does not faint, does not grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint and strengthens the powerless. Even youths will faint and be weary, and the young will fall exhausted. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Now, Dr. Tashton helped me with this this week. Watch this. So it goes from <laughs> those that wait on the, on the Lord, and you're ready to fly. Whoo, buddy, if you wait on the Lord just right, you will fly. Some people aren't quite there, don't feel like flying today. Best I can do is kind of hammer out a, a little jog. Okay. Then you shall run and not be weary. Some people are saying, ah, running would be great. Someday I hope to run. I don't know if I can summon more than a, than a walk. Well, then you too will be granted the kind of companionship that allow you to walk and not faint. Thanks to all of you who helped us Saturday with the Martin Luther King Parade, I am struck by this statement. If you can't fly, run. If you can't run, walk. And if you can't walk, crawl. But by all means, keep moving. But even that is going to be a tall order for some people today, unless, unless, unless we figure out what it means to wait on the Lord. Well, first, waiting on the Lord means not chasing the other gods, small g. I do think it's important for the people of God. Listen, I know everybody's got to go to work. That's not it, right? That's not it. Waiting on the Lord in this moment, before we get to what else it can be, it is at the very least submitting all of the other gods, small g, to God, big G. Amen? At the very least, it is us <laughs> reconciling this hard reality that it is one thing to be a business person who then goes to church, it is a completely different thing to be a Christian who then goes to work. One of those is chasing God's small g into oncoming traffic and your own form of exile. The other one is trying at least to wait on the Lord. Lots of educators in the room. I found this story this week. There is a, an elementary school in Tampa, Florida. Most of the students to this school come from the homeless shelter immediately next door. Most of the students. They have a few behavior problems. 
And so they have instituted this uh, program. It's called Inner Explorer. I'm not trying to sell Inner Explorer today, but, but let me tell you essentially what it does. It is a mindfulness program. Mindfulness. So what they do every day, they spend eight minutes waiting. Eight minutes. Somebody comes over the loudspeaker and says to them something like this, breathe. In, out, in, out. Now, place your hands on your heart and repeat to yourself, I can do this. I can make better choices. Now, some of you are going, well, that is talk, taxpayer dollars going to waste there. <laughs> some of you are saying, gobbledygook. Some of you, some of you, probably, like me, have trouble waiting on anything, much less the Lord. But it does say that we're supposed to wait. I'm almost certain it says right there in the Bible that we're supposed to wait. And that when waiting, there are resources that there would not be otherwise. By the way, grades are going up at this school. Their test grades have gone so far up that in the history of their school, they've never received anything but an F until two years ago, and they've gotten an A. But I like this statement from one student who said uh, to this reporter in response to this program, says, if, if you'll do it, it can really help you relieve the stress so that you're not angry and so that you don't take that anger out on somebody else. And by, that, by the way, that student's name was Grace. <laughs> Does everybody realize that a lot of what we do today falls into the category of waiting? Every time we gather, part of what we do is wait. I mean, part of what we do, if you are here, more than likely, you are not working right now. Now, some, given the power of technology, some of you may be working right now. I would ask you to stop. Because I think it's hard to wait if you won't wait. I think waiting is really hard if you refuse to wait. And I think you are opting out of resources that would be yours. Epiphany. God shows up in surprising sorts of ways. God shows up in surprising places. God shows up even in moments of exile, despair. If you have the eyes to see, the ears to hear, and the capacity to wait. Sometimes I try to articulate or rearticulate what we're doing around this table. I'm, I'm going I'm to take another shot at that today. This is another great way to wait. Now, yes, I will ask you to kind of move because I've always felt like that communion is best received and experienced when it's a whole body sort of thing and not just when you're handed little bits and sips is what I have called them in the past. I think it's good to get your whole body. But even, even that is your whole, whole body getting involved into, in the process of waiting. And beyond that... <laughs> Not only are you waiting and not chasing those other gods as you participate here, but you are being waited on here by the God with the big G.
I'll remind us again that the bread throughout Christian history has been called the host. The host. And the host waits, waits on you today. Towel over arm. (laughs) The host waits on you today, knowing that you suffer the wounds of chasing after the gods, small g, knowing that there is healing if you will just sit down and wait and be waited on by God, big G. And maybe then you'll have just enough to crawl. (laughs) Maybe it'll be just enough to walk. Maybe you run and maybe someday take flight. But all of it starts with waiting and being waited on. If you're helping us today, would you go ahead and come and and set this table so that we can wait well this morning? Heavenly Father, bless these elements. And may they be for me, may they be for all of us, the means of waiting that we need that we really need if we're going to have a chance to crawl, to walk, to run, to fly. God bless these elements and may they be especially helpful to those people who today find themselves in situations of captivity. They look up and they find that they have in fact been chasing lots of gods with small g's. And they find that they have followed those gods into despair and destruction. Bless these elements and may those people, captives today, may they have just enough strength here having waited, having been waited on. May they have just enough strength, God, to look up, to take your hand and start moving. In a moment, I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet, those of you who will. And by the way, I'll say it again, all of you are invited, but none are compelled. If you would rather sit this one out because you don't get it, because you don't want to get it, it is perfectly fine. It is invitation. All of you are invited. If you're going to go ahead and participate, then what will happen is, I hope, that you will stand up, exit your pew to your left, and come forward with your hands cup to receive this grace. I, you don't have to work to apprehend this bread, this host. It comes to you as a gift. And so come with open hands. When you do, right here would be Avarilla who will say to you, this is the body of Christ broken for you. Take that piece of bread, don't eat it just yet. Dip it into the cup. Maverick here is the one that's holding the cup. And when you do, Maverick will say, this is the blood of Christ shed for you. You're still being hosted. (laughs) You're being waited on here. After you've dipped the bread, then take and eat and then find a place to pray especially you tired folks. Man, if you're tired, y'all need to pray. I mean, that kind of tired, remember what kind of tired we're talking about? I don't know how tired people get better if they don't pray. So you need to pray. And you can circle right back around and pray in your pews. Absolutely acceptable. If you come to one of these side padded altars, we'll understand that you are there for a prayer for healing And over here would be Pastor Jim, who will come and pray that prayer for healing for you. Now, it might be physical, mental, emotional, familial, relational. Over here would be Pastor Ken, who would come and pray for you. We can pray all those prayers, or at least those guys can. I believe in it. 
and they'll anoint you with oil. It's not magic, but it is a reminder of the healing presence of God that will kind of stick with you. It's kind of hard to wipe off, and that's the point. The healing presence of God will stick with you and stay with you. Now, if you come to one of these kneeling benches up front, we won't assume a thing. But we will at some point come and let you know that you are not alone in one way or another because you're not. And I want to, again, invite you to consider dipping your fingers into this bowl of water or that bowl of water. And again, we're working on ways to have more bowls of water throughout because I just think it's important that we have these consistent and tangible reminders that we're part of a movement, that you've been officially initiated into this movement of people with a calling. And that calling sometimes is to wait. And so these bowls of water are here to remind you of the moment of your baptism. And I would encourage you, like I do every week, to dip your fingers in there just long enough to be remembered to remember the very moment of your baptism, very important moment, and then that you are a new creation having been baptized into the body. Now, John, are you sure it's okay if I come? Because you will not believe what I did this morning to my children trying to get them ready for church. <laughs> it's okay. In fact, if you recognize your need for grace, then you are always eligible this week and every week. If you recognize your need for grace, then you're who we're organizing for, no matter what. It was on the night he was betrayed that our Savior took bread, and he blessed it, and he broke it, and he gave it to his disciples saying, this is my body broken for you. And every time you eat of it, remember me. And I would add today, remember that I am waiting on you, serving you, hosting you. In the same way, he took the cup and he held it up before them. He said, in this, this is my blood of the new covenant. And every time you drink of it, tired people, every time, remember me. Remember and so now all across the sanctuary, if you would, all who would, stand to your feet, exit your pew to your left, and come forward to receive these gifts of God meant for the tired people of God.